In a world. Mate, hold up. We said we're done with the serious intros. Who said? Well, we did. I don't remember that. Well, I said it, and you're me, so, you know. Well, I don't care. In a world. Uh, hey, I told you. We're keeping it light. You do it on your own, then. Well, technically, I already am, so. Anyway, fuck yeah. Pure wild flight. Get it down, ya. How good? Visit nzaerosports.com. I get to do the next one. Well, obviously you moron, we both do. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, we are back in the can with another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. I am the fucking pilot, and we've got someone in the studio this time. No Skype, uh, no magic of the internet. Uh, he's going to tell us about some seriously extensive experience doing some really cool, fun, crazy shit. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? <laughs> My name is Craig Gerard, and I am a... Uh guess you could probably say that I've my the majority of my skydiving has been formation skydiving all right okay four-way eight-way uh, large formation organizing tunnel coaching uh, that type of uh, slant on it sure <laughs> so pretty much everything and and uh, the majority of which in the uh, in the sport itself more belly oriented than anything for sure yeah so when did you start skydiving I just had my 38th anniversary, March 14th. Wow. So I was uh, 
I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And uh, I just remember uh, eighth grade, the Golden Knights jumped into my my middle school. And uh, I was, I think, eighth grade to like 13, 14 years old. And uh, I was uh, saw some parachutes out of the back of my house. So like I was there were some balloons taken off and it's pretty far out there. It's sure. like maybe five, six miles out there. I could see the balloons. I could see parachutes flying around. I was like, did a little research and I said something to my dad. I was like, hey look, you know, there's they're advertising skydiving for sixty five dollars for your first jump course. So right. there's no AFF or no tandem. <laughs> and so uh, I said, my dad's like, yeah, do you have the cash? I said, yeah, I have the cash. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a call. And so, yeah, like a couple of wow. days later, came home from school. And, and, and off to the races. Off to the races, yeah. So I made my first jump and thought I was just going to go make one jump. And <laughs> my dad and I made our first jump together. Cool. Yeah. So. You're actually the second person that I've had in the booth that started with their parent, uh, uh, Junior, David Junior Ludwig. Is that right? Same thing. He started with his dad as well. And uh, yeah, so I think my dad was 42, something like that. I was 15. And, wow. Yeah. And so uh, since I was going there with my dad and uh, the instructor, the owner of the drop zone, in 1981, he was 73 years old. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. He was uh, never had a driver's license. He was a uh, had he had 16,000 flying hours. <laughs> he made his first jump in 1931, 29, something like that. This is the truth. Jesus. And and Joe Crane, the founder of the Parachute Club of America, which is now USPA, was his instructor. Wow. Yeah. So that's my instructor, and so he made his last jump in 1955. Okay. <laughs> he had 400 jumps and so he uh as as you can imagine he was he was an awesome guy and so we showed up at his house and did his the class in his backyard and he asked my dad he's like uh, is he 16 and my dad's like yeah and that's that's all that was ever said oh that's crazy yeah. well and it <laughs> talk about getting started with some serious i mean there's that's that's the whole lineage the heritage of skydiving right there i mean wow we i talked to uh, uh, melissa nelson who said the the same thing that it's such a young sport that you have the opportunity to go out and make jumps with and experiences with your heroes and the the beginnings of the sport i told her the very first uh, um paid video i ever shot was a four-way with lou sanborn on it <laughs> I mean, who the fuck is to do that you know right He's still jumping. Yeah. He's still jumping. Which gives all of us hope. I mean, what a badass. But I was, I was actually on his supposedly last jump at Scott of Chicago. And uh, I've since heard that he couldn't he couldn't, <laughs> couldn't hold down the retirement. He had to keep jumping. He's like the Rolling Stones. It's his last tour over and over <laughs> and over again. Yeah, somewhere in one of my tapes, I've got that very first jump of, of Lou, and it was the owner of the Vegas Tunnel, and uh, Juliana C., who I'm sure you know, uh, um, Brazilian. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Know really well. Badass. Super well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had the biggest crush on her. Everybody did. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's just fucking gorgeous in this amazing skydiver, and I had no jumps and no idea what the hell was going on. I hadn't seen her for, in forever, um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I ended up fa Facebook friends with her again, but... She doesn't remember. She's me. uh I've known her for a long time and so she was uh she was she moved back to Brazil and she was uh I, I coached the Brazilian four way team for five years mm. before I came here. And um uh, she's on that team. 
And so I went to Brazil in mm, 2018 like three times to go work with those guys. And wow. she's, she's killing it. She's doing a great job. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, she's great. Well, so you go out and you, you make these first jumps with dad and, and start skydiving, but uh, where does it become what it is now? I mean, how did you start to go into becoming a full-time skydiver and... and well, you know, let me preclude that, Dean, because, like, a lot of people ask me this, like, you know, like, how did you, like, what was your road to, like, uh, winning a world championship? Mm. Basically the same thing. And, you know, it goes back to this first jump because I was 15 and, you know, I, I was on the wrestling team and just I was super little. I was, like, five foot three, like. That changed. Hot, hundred and <laughs> yeah, 115 pounds or something like that, soaking wet. But, um. I, you know, was I was in a school with like 1,200 kids at it, you mm. know, and it's like I was basically a nobody just trying to fit in. And, and man, I went out to go skydive and we, my dad and I decided we we're going to go back the next day and, sure. and make a second jump. Like, dude, let's do it. <laughs> like we thought, you know, it doesn't happen very often. Right. And so we went out the next day and, and I broke my leg. Okay. Uh, seriously? Yeah, I broke my leg in my second jump with a round parachute. You know, like downwind, you know, feet apart, no PLF kind of thing. And so I was in a cast and I was just driving out to the drop zone like every weekend just just to listen, just to hear what was going on. Sure. And man, in that time, people were really super kind and and just welcoming you sure know? and it was like that that truly that was the that was the grabber for mm. me that was a grabber and it was like i just wanted to spend my whole time out there and so and then all of a sudden i'm i go back to school with this cast and people are like how'd you break your leg i was like skydiving they're like yeah right <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and, but then eventually like in in when i was a, a sophomore in high school i actually jumped into the um the usfl had a, had a, a game in phoenix like in sun devil stadium there All right. and i remember jumping in the game ball and the quarterback from our our football team was like saw me coming off the field he's like you're in my economics class <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. you, you've kind of hit on the the what seems to be the magic theme for everybody that I've talked to is that the uh, um, the uh, most common ground is community. It's for sure. it's been community for literally everybody, and in every aspect of it. Uh, uh, even talking to uh, uh, Ellis Borbonet recently, um, it was the same in the base jumping community as well. Uh, it's just such a tight knit community. Um, so the the community draws you in, and and you go full bore from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I joined the military, joined the army when I was seventeen. And okay. So, um, I like did the like the delayed entry. So I like joined in February, and I, I graduated like a, a semester early, okay. my senior year, and so went in the army. And and I had actually seen the Gold Knights jump into my middle school, mm. right? And so I just thought that Gold Knights were like uh, you know the Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds is like, you know, you got to be an astronaut to get on the whole right, night, so, right. And I just remember seeing the Golden Knights. They won like the four-way world championship the year I started jumping. And when I was in the Army, I was in the Army I was as a helicopter mechanic for, for four years. Okay. But then I was jumping and ran into a bunch of ex-Golden Knights and they were like, you should try out for the Golden Knights. So... I, I joined the military to fly helicopters, right? And so they weren't taking pilots at the time. So I went in as a, a mechanic, and so I put a, a application for flight school and for the Golden Knights at the same time. Wow! And I was like, whichever one of these comes back first, I'm doing it. And 
That's cool. Yeah, so so cool. you kind of left it up to the, the almost the flip of a coin tossed by the military. Well, they they still it was they weren't taking pilots into flight school. So I was you know like I got accepted to the to go to Golden Knight tryouts, made the team. Oh and, wow! Yeah, so. that must have been an insane accomplishment. Your dad must have just been through the roof. Super proud. He had to be. Super Come on, it's the fucking Golden Knights, man. I mean, um, to this day, the Golden Knights are still. I'm not to sound punny, but the gold standard. Uh, you know, I mean, and granted, when you've got the military resources, you can do some serious training. But wow. So um, it's funny because um, a lot of the people that especially the younger skydivers um, have all gone through their, I don't know, kind of, I want to say dirtbag phases, big time partying. And, and you know, I, you've, got, you've, been, you've been in it longer than I have. And it's, it used to be the dirtier the jumpsuit and the more trash the rig, the better the skydiver was. Um, but you, for as long as I've known you, have always been the epitome of professional. Um, and I assume that uh, part of that is uh, because of the military, but a part of that's just you. Yeah. I mean, uh, where, where did that come from? That's for sure military. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I, I really enjoyed my time in the, in the military. I like wearing the uniform, even when I wasn't on the Golden Knights. I, I like, you know, just like the, I like the whole everything about it. But the, um, you know never see me with really long hair right you know it's right like and and same thing you never see me with a lot of facial hair sure it's like shave kind of thing and mostly because it's gray now when it comes <laughs> out so it doesn't look so great but but yeah it actually I, I i give a lot of credit to the to the army parachute team they really did a great job not just with me but everybody that that comes to that team because it's a highly selective tryout process mm. so you're you're with a bunch of of hundred percenters wherever you go and so very high standards, and so I think it just kind of carried through with a lot of that. Also, into when I, after I left the the Golden Knights uh, and the Army in uh, 1995, I went out to Arizona and, mm. and joined Arizona Airspeed, mm. and that kind of continued into that. Like a lot of the training mentality and and the way we approach stuff, com- like combined with how Airspeed did it, so we kind of kind of made it like a little bit of a hybrid. Sure, with that, but it was I definitely give full credit. And man, the Golden Knights for me—it was a skydiving scholarship. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, and, and to to be able to transition from something like the Golden Knights into airspeed—I mean, mm-hmm. fuck! I talked to to Dan BC, and of course, got a little bit of the history of of airspeed. But I mean, airspeed is still one of the most winningest teams in skydiving history. Yeah, this and this year, and it's kind of funny because um, the. Uh, not to like, I'm going to segue around something, come back to it again about because by all means, air, airspeed is it. So, the we're based out of Eloy, Arizona, mm. Skydive, Arizona. So, the World Cup of Formation Skydiving is in Eloy this year in October. And so, the 25th anniversary of airspeed is this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, we're going to have the, the 25th anniversary. So, all members, I'm going to put this out right now <laughs> on, on, the fucking pilot is the fucking pilot's podcast. Yeah, damn pilot's right. Podcast. It, all airspeed members, you are you are cordially invited. I'm gonna send some emails out to everybody, but uh, we're gonna try to have the 25th uh, reunion of airspeed at the World Cup. Wow. Yeah, and so. Why I'm here, and, and Dean, you know this. So I'm I'm working with the Russian eight-way team, <laughs> right? Okay? And so. I I know we want to go this chronologically, but I kind of got to get this out because it's here. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I was, you know, the um, 
the Russians, the Russian eight-weight team, they they want to win. They want to they want to beat the Golden Knights. Of course. And so they they actually took second behind them last year in Australia, and um, so they uh, they're trying to win a world championship. But there's no they're not teenagers, man. Sure. <laughs> so sure. I mean, the youngest guy is forty-five, and there's two guys that are fifty-five. The sponsor's fifty-five. Wow. And, and another guy. Was on the he was uh, at the world championship in 1991 when I was on the Golden Knights and this guy was on the Russian team in 1991. <laughs> yeah, and he's on the team right now. Wow. And so, I mean, there's a there's a, um, I'm really happy that they asked me to help them, you know. And so it's been a three year thing, and that kind of it's kind of a cool reason why I'm back here. Training sure, with guys, yeah. sure. Well, it's it's funny. Um, I mean, it says a lot for the longevity of, uh, uh, you know, uh, an athlete in this sport. Mm. Uh, you take care of yourself and you've got a long career in yeah. skydiving. I mean, Lou Sanborn, another one. I mean, how old is Lou now? He's got to be in his 80s. 80s, for sure. Fucking hell. Yeah. And he's still jumping out of airplanes. Yeah. You know, that's that's absolutely incredible. And I, dude, I, that's a that's a big deal to be jumping when you're 80. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a guy at our drop zone. He the guy's 83. Guy guy is man looks like he runs every day. I mean, like these guys in top shape. Sure. You know? I'm like I'm I want to be like that. Yeah, but I'll tell you what though. There's people that are saying the same damn thing about you. I mean, how old are you now? 53. All right, so 53 years old. You're only a couple years older than me, and I don't think either of us look. Our age, both of us tend to try and stay in good condition, mm -hmm. if for nothing else, just because I'll be damned if I'm going to let those fucking kids outrun <laughs> here. No, I don't know where it happened, but somewhere along the lines, I became the old guy on the drop zone or on the load. And I'm sure you know the feeling, too, because skydiving, it, it tends to stay a relatively young sport sometimes. And uh, I, I've gotten used to being the oldest guy at the table. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that, Me but too. I'm not the slowest guy at the table. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's all I care about. I don't need to be the youngest. I just don't need to be the slowest. Especially after somebody's like, hey, man, you're, you've been around for a long time. You want to go run a race? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it, was, it was funny talking to Dan BC as well. He's all, people uh, you know, call me a, a pioneer in the sport, and you could tell there was a bit of an insult <laughs> in being called a pioneer. Fuck you. I'm not that old, man. So, so you get to Airspeed. So you you joined Airspeed in would you say ninety five? I joined Airspeed. I left the army in, in February of ninety five and went right to Airspeed. Okay. And they they were trying to win their first world championship. And so, in nineteen ninety four, the year before, we I, we'd been competing against each other since late eighties, like with sure. Jack, Jack Jeffries and Danby C, Kirk Verter, Mark Kirkby. And so we'd always been talking about, you know, oh, I'd be really good to do a team together someday, but I was like, that yeah, wasn't gonna happen. I was in the army there. Sure. And so as things happened, I kind of found myself out there. And so Larry Hill, the owner of Sky of Arizona, who I've known, he was a owner of Drop Zone when I started jumping mm. in Arizona too. So known him for since I started, you know, in the beginning. And so he welcomed me with open arms and then I so I became the alternate for those guys mm. went to the world meet in 95 with airspeed and then we started an, another four-way team and so with the hopes of after they win the world meet that we would combine those two teams to do an eight-way eight wow. project and try to win both try to win four-way and eight-way epic so, yeah epic well now um so uh, I've got my own little funny Arizona airspeed story, and it takes place in uh, 98. Were you on the eight-way team mm -hmm. in 98? All right. So you might even remember this because I was on the plane with you. Okay. Um, funny enough, um, I was uh, competing sky surfing. 
um, we were competing against Craig and Tanya, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Omar was on doing freestyle, and I'm pretty sure it was Airspeed doing eight-way, uh, leaving last. And we're getting up towards the top of the jump run, and, and uh, or getting, I think we're two minutes or so, and, and we look back in the back of the airplane, and of course, we're the dirtbag sky surfers. So we're all, everybody's laid back, and it's Omar's got the the, um, the whole freestyle mentality, so it's almost you know that, that free fly set back in the day. And uh, you guys are in the back, black jumpsuits, everything's intense, gloves are on, and your eyes closed, and everybody's going through their moves, and it's quiet in the airplane. It's just dead silence. And all of us, I think it was load one, and uh, uh, all of us are just kind of looking around, and Tanya O'Brien looks back and says something along the lines of, hey, airspeed, don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> I've never laughed so hard. Got a bunch of eyes opening up. Oh yeah. Well, and it, that that sh- that was uh, um, the first time that I I really got to see the difference in the mentality that goes into. I mean, there's a lot of intensity that goes into the sky surfing sure. and all these other, but nothing quite as grand as something like eight way. And I mean, holy shit, you guys are in deep. That's incredible yeah. amount of, of training that has to go on. And, and mental training, because if, if you think about it, like is if you're doing 12 jumps a day, five days, let's say 60 jumps a week. Yeah. Okay? And that's what we did, 60 sure. jumps a week. With that eight-way, in, in 1998, we did 1,300 eight-ways. Jesus Christ. In 1998, 1,300. <laughs> in one year. 1,300. Because we had to, because we, we, we were beaten by the Golden Knights by mm. two points. They went to the World Championship. And uh, won the world championship in 1997. In 1998, we we actually we 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 beat them at the nationals, and then we won the, the world championship in 1999. Mm. And so, if and you th- you bring this up because it's really it's a it's a lot easier to to see it. Like if, if there's eight people, and you're doing 12 jumps a day, 60 jumps a week, and you you can't have people brain locking. But mm. at that level, I mean, any the smallest little, if you just have a little glitch where you like start to move the wrong way, basically it's like a, an engine that, that gets out of timing. You know, Throws because, a spoke, yeah. Yeah, especially when it's full, full bore. Like it starts off kind of a little calmer and then it starts shifting into gears and then as it's going like like if you have a brain lock it's going to just shut the whole thing down sure so when when you're at that level so you're doing these eight ways how many points generally were you getting on a load and it would go up like just to tell you like where the averages went so i won my first world championship in 1989 with a 13.8 average so over 10 rounds we had 138 points hmm. okay 1991 it, we had uh, 18.3. It wow. went five points. A lot of, uh, did a lot of innovation. A lot of teams did a lot of innovation and pushed, French team pushed us really hard. Mm. So it went to 18.3. And then 1993 was like 18 or 19, kind of like that. And it kind of, we were the first team to ever break the 20 point barrier. It was like wow. a four minute mile. Yeah, okay? yeah, absolutely. And so we broke that in, in 1996 at the, the World Cup in Belgium. And so nobody had done it. Then we went back to the Nationals, and the Golden Knights beat us by two. They did like a 20.5. We oh did my 20.3. God. And so, yeah. Oh, my it. God. Yeah. So when, when you're at that level and you're pulling those number of points with an eight-way, I mean, and for those that don't know, uh, each point is a different formation. Right. Uh, so a different grip. Uh, even if it's just a slight move, it's a change for mm-hmm. each person in that. Yeah. So you're talking about a ridiculous number of changes 
in one free fall, and it's what, 45 seconds of working time? 50 seconds of working time. So 50 seconds, that's Mm -hmm. all you've got to bang out as many points as you can. At that point, are you thinking, I've got to grab this guy's leg and then I've got a side slide over here, or is it just automatic? It's automatic. It would have to be. Well, the thing is, you, you, and it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the, the, the not trying to brain lock and have mental errors. It's a lot of rehearsals. And so what you were, you know, um, referring to before when Tanya said, hey, <laughs> don't fuck it up. <laughs> it's like everybody, like you get in the plane and man, everybody is going through their, 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 um, their mental training, you know, sure. with eyes closed and like mo- going through the movements and like simulating picking up the grips and like seeing the keys. And so all that's done with your eyes closed. And so thing is, you don't want to be the guy that brain locks because, you know, if there's seven guys don't brain lock and you're the only guy that brain locks, like you, you can't do that every jump. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're the one that threw the blade in the engine and it all goes to shit. But it's also like sometimes that is necessary because sometimes you, you don't have a brain lock for a very long time and you get complacent and, sure. and you realize you just get, get distracted and and you realize that, you know, you you in through your training you realize that you could actually see that coming. Sure. Because like you making that mistake. And so I think sometimes the mistake making process is actually the super big part of it, as long as it's not every jump. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, no, I mean, I, I learn more off of the things that I fucked up than I yeah. have the things that I've done right. Because mm-hmm. if you do something kind of right, then it reinforces what might not necessarily be the right thing to do. You screw it up and you go, okay, that's absolutely yeah. what not to do. Let's move forward from there. Now, uh, with that level of intensity, though, and this is. I've not done much, uh, not done any really formation skydiving in, in respect to that kind of stuff, just playing around. Certainly not on any kind of competitive level. Is it fun? That's super fun. Because it, it always looked to me to be so intense. And I remember overhearing one team that was having a rough day training, uh, and I don't even remember what drops on. And um, one of the guys said, we're fucking going in if we don't get this point. <laughs> <sighs> And I remember thinking, okay, uh, nah, it doesn't sound like fun to me. You know, it, it's so intense, and which obviously is has its own draw. But man, yeah. Well, part of it is is that's what the attraction was: is finding guys that are, and women that are, you know, are that intense, and but also understand about making mistakes. And so it is intense. Nobody's ever going to be upset with you unless you are just intentionally trying to blow it like Mm. like you're just not giving a shit like and you can see your behavior in the aircraft like you can tell if you're just like distracted and sure and and the jump's not going to go but like that stuff's not put up with for very long in training and so it was high intensity but we wouldn't train for so long like we would do max five days training for two weeks okay and then then it wouldn't be like the whole month like it was just it's just too much for too long well yeah i mean to to operate at a hundred percent all the time and you're not giving yourself any room to to slack off now now uh, the flip side of that was you get to the ground where the the parties and the the times at the bomb shelter or or, uh the bent prop just as just as intense oh yeah well hopefully you don't have to train the next day but you know that's uh you know sometimes that's you know, if you're organizing it like a boogie, which was one of the things we had to do, like when we, sure, because like, part of the sponsorship was we all those organized events, Christmas boogie, Easter boogie, all, Halloween boogie, stuff like that. Like we would organize, and people would come for that. But there was ten organizers, sure, you know? and so it drew a lot of people. And this is like in the heyday of, of formation skydiving, mm. you know. And I mean, it's still like a lot of people are like, oh, it's dying down, but no, nah, it's, it's huge. It's really big, and. 
They're still doing style and accuracy, for Christ's sakes. I mean, come on. That's like watching a fucking bu- uh, helium balloon run out of gas. <laughs> well, you know. I just pissed a few people off. But. <laughs> hey, he said that. No. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, to each his own. But, like, you know, sometimes, I mean, that was that was the formation skydiving or the free flying or the wingsuiting of sure. its day. Yeah. You know? And so... You know, especially depending where you grew up. If you're growing up in like a little farm town, and and your your parents were like accuracy jumpers or style jumpers, sure, kind of. That's what you did. I think that's what you do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I started my jumping career in in uh, Vegas, and and I was coming up just as free flying was taken off. I think the very first video chronicles by Zipser and the boys had come out, which was fucking groundbreaking. Yes. And it came out. Um, I don't know, maybe the the first year, second year I was in the sport, maybe. Um, but of course, as soon as I graduated AFF, oh, you go. To got to go buy an rw suit with grippers all right because that's what you're supposed to do and then promptly never fucking use them for anything you know and and uh and then moving forward again it became the the whole free fly thing and delivering pizzas all over the sky and and oh yeah and that iconic video uh the iconic clip in in uh um, chronicles with zipser uh to a, a sublime song running upside down to the camera doing two or three cartwheels and then turning around and running away on his head just you don't need any drugs to just go, what the fuck did I just watch? You know, and this was groundbreaking at the time. Uh, and back then, for me, you guys were doing the hardcore organizing stuff, but, uh, um, you know, our idea, the Free Flyers' idea of an organizer at uh, Skydiving was usually organizing around the shots or other entertainment mm-hmm. along the way. So definitely a different world, yeah. for sure. But that was like, that was... That the era when free flying was just in its infancy, mm. there was like everybody was in Eloy. Everybody was in Eloy. like the Flyboys were all there. Oh yeah, like, uh, Olaf was there. Omar was there. I mean, I mean, all the guys like was a big deal, you know. And then 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 Flyboys got like sponsored by. By, by Paris, by yeah. Paris, but before that, Craig and Tanya and the Flyboys were up in Taft, mm. and so like Airspeed went up there to go train, and they kind of met up with those guys, and then those guys came to Arizona, and like it was a big, it was it was like a mecca, man. It was sure. really really cool. Sure. Know? Now, one of the impressions that I got back in the day, and and I've I've definitely uh, changed my opinion uh, somewhat, but uh, um, the with the exception of the organizing, a lot of the teams four way and eight way seem very standoffish, and I assume now that it was just because of the intensity of the training. Yeah, it could be, especially in the plane. If you're trying to joke with people, like you know, sometimes you, as soon as you get in the plane, especially if it's a if it's a, a non repeater, like if you're if you don't have the same five points, you have to do. You know, you do five points and it flips you to another position. And mm. so a lot of times I would get in that plane and I didn't have it. And so I, I could not even have a conversation. I couldn't even look at anybody. Sometimes someone would nudge me and say something. I'd like, I would answer and then I'd just close my eyes and go right back <laughs> again. Because you can you can hide. You're like, you know, no one's going to come like, you know, I'll give you an example at the wind tunnel. Like mm. if you're competing at a wind tunnel and trying to keep that same intensity, man, it's like as soon as you open your eyes, somebody's kind of getting eyes with you and they're waving right at you. You're just like, man, you got to, you cannot it's even, done. you got to you have your eyes on the floor and like, don't look at anybody because everybody's <laughs> just trying to like, wish you luck. You know, it's imagine if you're in the airplane, you know, you're in the twin otter and, and all of a sudden, you know, like boom, 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 someone's banging on the window next to you. Like, woo, have a good jump, have a good jump, you know? So it's, I think it's a lot easier when you're skydiving because it's at least 15 minutes of no one's going to talk to you. Sure. You know, and so it's, I think you get in that, that routine that like that's your quiet place where you're going to lock that jump in before you go jump. Sure. And then you go to the tunnel and it's like, 
I, man, it's really challenging because it's to, to keep your to, to stay mentally sharp for competition inside of a tunnel. Oh, it has to be. It absolutely yeah. has to be. Well, because it's the only time that uh, you actually have spectators. It's not people crowded around the TV. It's people fucking watching you doing this stuff. And how do you block that out, especially when you're used to that high intensity when it's just you in the sky, just you and your team in the sky? So I can imagine that's got to get pretty difficult. So I think uh, for for me specifically, and I, I think it happens with anybody that. That's done a lot of formation skydiving. Is you you have a routine. Hmm. You have a routine, and you keep working your routine, and you try to keep that routine as simple as possible. And you do the exact same thing every jump. And when you do that, for example, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do a a, a jump and it has five different formations, like I see myself, you know, going through the formations. I see the key, but super slow. Hmm. And then once it goes through, and I and I I have it. Um, pretty familiar at that speed then I'll kind of speed it up and then speed it up again and and just go through little details but there's some point in there that I know I'm like I've got it sure I've got it and like I tell myself I got it and I can actually just like I got it and kind of back off just a little bit and just mm. kind of keep it it's there's always a loop like in the back of my mind like just in a, on a on a on a like a loop like sure. running through there and so but i i think everybody has that that's successful at it has has a routine and, and continues to work it for sure well and i would think you would have to now um uh, you obviously started out doing the the uh, uh stuff with four-way and eight-way before tunnels were a factor how much has that changed the game night and day yeah it, it actually it, it changed everything yeah and it changed everything it's like the and not just for for mason scouting but for free flying. everything free flying man it's like it's insane i mean now i i can remember like going to the, the orlando tunnel and there was probably 10 people that could fly in their head yep 10 guys yep. I, I mean it's like you know not that many yep not that many now dude everybody everybody I, it, it's little yeah. kids. Yes, I'll tell you what though the the one thing about that and being one of the one of the old dogs that really didn't get to put the the modern tunnels to use is I take great pride in the fact that I can get on my head at all because I had to learn one jump at a time. So I pat myself on the back for being one of the old guys that had to do it that way. Um, and I also thoroughly enjoy having my ass handed to me with somebody that's got. 50 jumps that's literally flying circles around me in the tunnel because it's just fucking cool you can't watch it and not just yeah. go that's amazing it, it, and it's it's you have to be supportive and, and it's like but listen like dean sometimes i see it like people that are my age or older and they're they don't like the tunnel they're like i don't like the tunnel it's like i like the air more it's like and i know why because like people are like they they're they're gonna be embarrassed they don't like being embarrassed sure. but like it, if you're gonna learn it, that's part of learning. Sure. Like, especially if you, if, if you don't know it and you're going to try to learn it now, it's like there's that part of the, the learning process oh, that's yeah. going to happen. Well, and I remember uh, um, I, I maybe I'm a little bit more accepting of the modern tunnels because I worked back in the day in, in Vegas and uh, uh, in the tunnel there. And uh, I remember um, my old skyscraper partner, Mary, and I were both in tunnel instructors there. And we were going back and forth to Paris training for skysurfing. Because uh, we needed the otter to train out of, and and uh, we became friends with uh, Fritz and Eli and the guys, and eventually said, "Hey, you guys have got to come down and check out the tunnel." Well, there were only three tunnels in the world at the time. There was the mil military tunnel at Fort Bragg, and then there was Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and Vegas. That was it. Um, so, of course, this was just the coolest thing in the world. It's only it's a DC three propeller and 120 miles an hour of air and massive balloon suits. Yeah. 
but we could fly the shit out of that for what it was. And we got the, these are the flyboys. These are, you know, cutting edge free flyers bouncing off the walls, just were handing their asses to them. And it was fucking amazing because, are you kidding? That's, that's, that's Eli Thompson. And he can't do what I can do? Awesome. You know, so now it's the same thing as I go in there and I watch these young kids just shredding in the tunnel doing things I literally will never, ever be able to do. And I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I was at the 2005 World Cup in Eloy and I saw Olaf Zipper break his arm because he hadn't flown the tunnel that much. Yep. You know, and, and he kind of corked out a little bit and put his arm out and broke both bo- both forearm bones. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where people are like, that was Olaf. It's like, and, and even then, that's when things were just still, yeah, like, you know, a lot of people hadn't flown that much in there. So. No, no, I just had, uh, I had Ray Kubiak on the show. Ray Liable? Yeah, man. So, uh, and I, I, I just said this to him as well. My biggest bragging rights when it comes to a tunnel is I taught Ray how to fly in the tunnel. Well, he's an unbelievable he's the original ninja man he really is even even to this day because he was in arizona for so long sure and so you know when you see people fly in the tunnel and 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 you haven't experienced i everybody has a style Mm. and so nobody flies like ray Ray did tricks that nobody else did yeah i mean and in Man, when he got to Eloy, he came from Vegas. Yep. You know, and yep. he, he was a killer there. And it didn't take him long to be a killer. I mean, it was He crazy. was, I mean, he was doing stuff. I mean, he was six foot everything and next mm-hmm. to, you know, a hundred and nothing yeah. pounds. And so he was built for that Vegas tunnel. Uh, and he was doing stuff um, eventually in Vegas that literally no one else could do. Yeah. Uh, and then transitioned into this ridiculous flying and uh, in his own style and his own moves. And I credit him for a shitload of the revolution that happened in the tunnel because he influenced so many people uh, going in, turning the air down, getting more dynamic with it and trying all these things just insane fly he uh well he's in he's in uh, i think virginia beach yep. now. yeah yep. i haven't seen him in a couple years i miss him he's a he's an awesome guy yeah shout out ray yeah his ears are burning reliable yeah man <laughs> so you do airspeed um four and eight-way teams how long were you on the competing actively with them with airspeed 17 years jesus uh, christ so i was i was uh eight years on the golden knights and 17 with with airspeed and then that's that's a, a long time with one team. Yeah. How many times did you guys take the gold? Me personally? Yeah, or just you us? personally. So I won three world championships, all eight-way with on the Golden Knights, and then some World Cups, but like mostly we just talk about world championships. Sure. So won three eight-way world championships um, on the Golden Knights, then went to airspeed and won... Two more eight ways and two more four ways. Jesus. So seven total. I like how I like how you had to go. We'll just talk about the world titles because yeah. the uh, <laughs> other stuff. See, <laughs> well, <laughs> too many to count. Well, because man, it's they're they're monsters. You know, they're yeah. Monsters well, that's that's yeah. that was the goal, and that's yeah. what Dan BC said. Is just a look. We started airspeed to win the world. Yeah. That's it. We wanted to beat the fucking French. Yeah. Because, I mean, the French were a sponsored team. They had the mm-hmm. full ride. They were doing stuff that you guys couldn't do. So And the Golden Knights, too. Yeah. 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 Well, you can't discount that. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And so, but I I mean, with Airspeed, one of the coolest things is like trying to win both events. And so, you know, we almost did it. Almost did it like uh, 2001. We won the four-way, and, and on the last round of eight-way, we, we kind of blew it in the last round. Oh, yeah. And so man. lost it in the last round. So, But it was like that 
thing trying to win. Not even like the hundred meter, two hundred meter, because Usain Bolt's done that. Like it makes it look easy, right? Man, as right. He's crossing the finish line, looking at the camera, you know. But uh, trying to win it, you know, was a it was a big goal. Sure. Big goal, and it was that that kind of uh, goal setting was was really addictive. Like when when you're with a, a bunch of super hard driving people and they're mm. trying to do something that's never been done before that that was a big that's a big attraction for that absolutely yeah. well and you set a lot of goals like that though i mean you started getting into the really large formation skydiving stuff that personally terrifies the shit out of me uh and probably rightly so because holy shit um you, so you started out in the big formation stuff um what was the progression with that so we did uh i had the, the first big way that I was on was the, the one that Airspeed did in the 300 way. Mm. And so at that point, I had never even been on a 100 way. Wow. Right? And so like, I think the biggest thing I'd been on was like a I don't know, 70 way or something like 60 way. And so I was one of the organizers. And so I had a 100 way group. And, and this is kind of funny. So like for the 300 way in Arizona, it's done out of um, 15 <laughs> twin otters from, from 20,000 feet. And... Uh, Man, it, it built really well because you got you get twenty people out of an otter, and and if you're gonna do like the when it went to the the four hundred way, it was there was five C one thirties, right? You know, and it's like a lot of people in each of those, and it's really strung out, super high speed. It's like hundred and maybe hundred and fifty knots because it's at, at I think it's at twenty four thousand. Sure, it's super fast. The exit is it's crazy fast, and so you know it was. Um, from 20,000 feet out of Twin Otters, and, and it actually worked really, really well. But kind of a funny story, like I had never even had been on a 100-way. Oh, yeah, I had been on a 100-way. It was like we did the Arizona Challenge. We did 100 ways. Mm. And so I think I had – it was like a, we had the 300 people, and then we had the bench. So I, it was like 107-way or something like that. you know. And so I'm organizing 100-way. And there's another hundred way right here, and there's another hundred way right here, all out in this field, like in Eloy, you know, three different hundred ways. Like it's crazy if you think about that. Yeah. Like, hey, get, can you guys move your group over there a little bit? I need a little more space. So I'm organizing my group, and I'm like, hey, you guys, how many people? How many people? This is the biggest formation they've ever been on. I'm like, come on, man, raise your hand. It's like it's the biggest formation for me too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but it was super, super fun, and uh, it was super successful. Mm. And, and so we built the 300 way. I think it was 2002. Sounds about right. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and I know they had been trying to build the 300 way. They did like 287s and 290s and stuff like that. Been trying it for years. And so then uh, BJ Worth uh, in, invited most of the airspeed guys to help be part of the the. To train like the bench guys like sure the, for they have a, a, a group of uh, experienced skydivers on the bench right so as they start with the record as people are you know let's say the first four or five days they're not going to cut anybody right but if you start seeing the same mistakes they're going to tell you okay this is we've had four days any mistakes now it's gonna you're going to be eliminated sure. as unfortunately but that's just how it has to work and so if somebody was eliminated we would send an experienced skydiver into that slot and so we had um, we were in uh, in in Thailand in 2004, and even before the record, we had a big mass jump. So we we're going to go jump into like the the big parade field in downtown Bangkok, and there's not a lot of outs there, right? And <laughs> no, it was like no, 25, 30 mile an hour winds. Oh Jesus! 800 people jumping at the same time. It's <laughs> so all landing in the field, and so 
there was people everywhere. And so I think they injured like 30 or 40 people. <laughs> and so our bench was, we never had a chance to use it. You weren't the bench. You were. We were in it. We were in it. And so. Jesus. Now, how did it, why was it uh, Thailand? Because it was sponsored by the, the king of Thailand. It was uh, for his birthday, I believe. And so, but they had the military, like, covered all the planes. Yeah, they had the lift capacity. And they had multiple crews. So you'd have, like, you know, they have rules, like, think of military flying that you can only spend so much time above 10,000 feet sure. on oxygen. And then you need a, a replacement crew. And then they had another C-130 as a standby. So it was like, you know, imagine eight C-130s. You know, with two crews, and and they had to go there beforehand and practice flying the pattern and spotting and sure. all that stuff. Was logistically one in a million opportunity to yeah. do that. Yeah, you know? like I just remember seeing there was a video and it and it showed all the planes taxiing up, you know, to like pick up all the jumpers, and it's just like you can look down the runway, it's all <laughs> the fumes from the exhaust, and it's like everybody just walking to get on their planes, and they're all like like lined up nose to tail. That's you know? insane. I, that's just logistically that had to have been a nightmare, though. I mean, and you're you're dealing with pilots that have more than likely never flown skydivers before maybe not even flown formation before well, I'm, they, wow yeah well you as a pilot get this man it's like to to fly in formation you need to fly fast and so exit speed was 150 knots jesus and that's christ it. but man it was and i was i was going i was xing an eight way mm. and so you know when i when i went there yeah like if you look at that 357 way and the 400 way there's one guy in a green suit right that's me <laughs> and so I, I had to wear the green suit and everybody else was in like uh, red, white, and blue. Mostly so people could pick out the heading because a lot of times if it comes out like that, if it's starting to build and it's like a, <clears throat> a hundred way and it starts to rotate, I mean, sure. you can't really see it. You're just diving at it thinking that it's going to be like, this is six o'clock, this is 12 o'clock. You're diving at it, like looking for your approach angle and you're like, where's the dude in the green suit? And so you can check out his angle and oh, maybe he's off a little bit. Right. Does that make sense? So. So um, anyway, so that uh, we built that one. It was a 357 way. And then uh, two years later, we did a 400 way. Oh, man. But listen, man, if we had 100 more people on the 400 way, it would be a 500 way. It was that there was that much time. Wow. So it was so much coordination. Like with we had I had uh, I had air to air communication. So like I had. So there, in each of the five planes, there is a there's a transceiver. There's a receiver. Right. You know, there's one guy with a transceiver in each plane. So as I'm giving the count, like I'm giving the exit count and I'm doing the count off, and so in in uh, amongst all those planes, there's sixty receivers, like in people's helmets. Right. And so what was going on is we would exit and like we would build the base and and. We'd wait until it got the fall rate falling really fast. And then I would call the first wave in. So 30 people would come in and dock. All right. Okay. And then once they're docked, everybody's like in a stadium approach. Looks like everybody's like, you know, if you imagine a stadium looking from, from the, on a flat view, like if you're in the end zone. Sure. Like looking out and you could look up and you can see the, the stairs going up like that. And this is how we would have the approach angle. It's almost like a, you know, like a 45 degree approach. Sure. Like on an airplane sure. coming down in. And so as we're in the base, I could just see, man, there's... 400 people out here just all waiting like until just hanging I out get a chance to say <laughs> okay next guys come on in so 
We had the next guys come in, and then it got to be a 60-way. And then when it was good, it was like, come on in. This is a minute, Dean, just for the 60, <sighs> a minute. That's insane. So everybody's getting into position, you know? And then then once once the 60-way the is built, it's like, okay, start docking. And right. Then, and then all those guys with the receivers, they're leading in their sectors. So there's 10 sectors in there. And so that one guy with the receiver... When he starts coming in, then then your sector follows behind you. Oh, wow. And it was really well planned. And and the same thing, like what you talked about, it's like, I was, man, I was nervous. I was like, yeah. about the break-off. About the break-off. Oh, God, yeah. No, I, I, we haven't even gotten to that, how freaky that, that is to me. Oh, it, my God. It's actually, Dean, after going through it, it's super safe. It's super safe. But we're breaking off at like, starting breaking off at like 8,000 Sure. You know, so it's like, and I was in the middle. So I was thinking, man, I'm, you know, people are not going to be leaving fast enough. And so... Man, everything was timed with the pilot shoot, and then the breakoff wave would go, and then like five seconds later, another pilot shoot would go. Five seconds later, those guys go. But man, oh man! Mm. I mean, it just uh, having. Uh, I've only seen. I think the biggest one I've ever seen is a hundred way, and and I was just blown away by the fact that I could hear them in free fall, you know, from the ground, and and amazed that they're pushing this much air out of the way, and and to be able to clearly see this hundred yes. way, and then watch it breaking off in rings and such. But I can't. I can't even wrap my head around it. And I've seen the picture of the 400 way more times than I can count, mm -hmm. but I don't think I've ever really tried to soak it in. Yeah. That that's 400 <laughs> people. It's a lot. In free fall at and yeah. and just to to build it, the closing speeds have got to be insane. I mean, it's it's that's a risky undertaking. Well, you know, it's it's a big it's a big ambitious project and it's mostly the biggest thing is the the organization of it. Mm. Like actually the skydiving part of it is the for me, the easier part of it, sure. but like the, just the, the organizing the pilots, the aircraft, because like we tried to do a, there was a plan to do a 500 way here. And so, you know, that was all going to go. And then we just had trouble getting the aircraft, sure. you know? And so like, you know, all the logistics for the hotels, all that stuff, like, and all that would have been great, but just getting the airplanes here, but we had to get them to do a 250 way and practice the jump runs, flying in formation with mm. two crews, da, 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 da. Yep. It's, it's logistically Super I, I, that seems to be what uh, is going to keep anything larger than a 400 from happening. Well, the guy that I am, I'm coaching the sponsor of this Russian team. Okay. He wants to do it. So listen, so I, so Andre Barabash, and I'm not saying anything, he hasn't said it like, oh, I'm going to do this, but he's talking about it. And so he's like, you know, when they finish with the world champs, because they're training this, this eight-way team, they're putting... A lot of money and a lot of time. All those guys are they're they're salaried athletes mm. on that team, and so, I mean, he's the support on it, and so, he he wants to win the eight way in 2020 in Russia, and he's going to be 56 years old. Awesome. It's, and so the thing is, he you know he, he's a really big businessman, and he's and when I was at his drop zone in tonight. I, Dude, it's big enough to do a thousand way there. I was like, it was so massive. <laughs> and, and I said something. I was like, oh, you could do a 700 way here. And, and he goes, uh, through a translator, he said, you know, if, if after this eight way project goes, maybe I think I might do the 500 way. Like, <laughs> but listen, we need guys like that. Yeah, of we course. Guys well, like of course. That. Well, you need some big dreamers and ones yeah. that are just going to go, fuck it. I'm going to do what they say I shouldn't do. Because <laughs> that's how a lot of shit gets done. You're right. You man, know? oh man! Well, um, is have you gotten any blowback for training the Russians? Okay, that's. I'm glad you asked that because, because <laughs> not not directly, but you know, it was a quandary because when they asked me, 
even when I was on the Golden Knights, we were really good friends with the Russian eight way because mm. they were f- excellent athletes and excellent. Um, um, I don't want to say that, man. They're just uh, good sportsmen, man. Whether mm. they were whether they won or if they were in second place mm. or third place, they always were great sportsmen and and fair and. It's and we always had that when I was on the Golden Knights and on Airspeed, we always looked at them very highly. Mm. And so, I mean, when I first met the Russian team, I was this is like the late eighties, man. It was Eagle and the Bear. Sure. And I, I remember I was in Vichy, France, nineteen eighty eight, reading reading Hunt for Red October. And this is the <laughs> truth. I'm sitting against the hangar. It's kind of raining out there, and I'm right. looking at the Russian guys out there. I'm like. Those are the guys that they're talking about in this book. Right. I'm like, and, and I'm in the U.S. Army, and those guys are all Russian military, and they were just the kindest, most awesome guys ever. Sure. And well, so the I mean, come on, the the the, um, the rivalry in the culture USA uh, USSR is um, that's our entire lives. I mean, yes. it's it's us against them. It's the Red Army. It's all this shit, right? <laughs> boycotting, boycotting the Moscow Olympics, boycotting the L.A. Olympics. Exactly. Yeah. All that shit's what we grew up with, and and. Uh, um, uh, I, I love the fact that I've been in the sport long enough that embraces every culture and everybody else has said the same thing. At the, at, when it's all said and done, it's not a Russian skydiver or a French skydiver right. or an American skydiver. It's a fucking skydiver. Yeah. That's it. Which yeah. is really cool. Not yeah. to say that there aren't Russians or French people or that I don't get yeah. along with, but at the, they're skydivers. So right. you, ha- you have that level of respect in the sport. And they, you know, they, people talk about that. You hear people say, well, like athlete, uh, athletics like supersede that kind of stuff because mm. it's a different thing but skydiving goes even a little bit more sure. because like we it's one of the, the 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 things that we really preached on airspeed was to be very open with all techniques to share if like you know it's like not hiding anything and if 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 we get beaten then let's be let's be good athletes and sure and celebrate for the guys that just beat us kind Absolutely. of thing you know and so to go back to your question dean so had i had i gotten any any grief not directly not directly <laughs> but you know i when they asked me i was like i was torn because i was thinking you know you know i i really want to but i was also it's a completely different different uh skydiving system sure like nobody even knows that so they look at they just the russians do some crazy shit sure you know well the russians <laughs> well that's what we always said they're russians man but sometimes they'll do that stuff really really well sure and so i, I was like man i really want to and and they asked me and so they asked dan bc so the two guys that have coached the, the russian eight-way team is dan bc and myself oh wow and so yeah so so i agreed to it and and you know, I was uh, at the World Championship with the Golden Knights, and I'm still great friends with all those guys. Sure. And so, you know, and one of the things that that kept coming up on the interviews, like on Skydive TV, with with with, uh, with Sammy, were, yeah. with Sammy, and Sammy's like, you know, he he was he was asking those same kind of questions, you know, and it's like because uh, people wanted to know, and um, I said, you know, you know, it's they they asked, and and you know, it's like 
you know, with all like uh, football teams, like soccer teams, you know, like they all have like international coaches and sure. stuff like that. So it's a little bit the same way, but also it's like I want to make it competitive. Sure, man. I want to make it competitive. I don't want to like I don't want to like breeze through it. You know, it's right. like if the Golden Knights go do like a a gajillion point average and they beat everybody by fifty points, it's not so exciting. No, like, no, absolutely not. Like this last year with Hayabusa and, and Airspeed, it was tied up after the ninth round, and they did a tenth round jump off. That was exciting. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's, that's what I want to see. Of course. Uh, well, although the real test about whether or not you're going to get any blowback is if they win. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's when we're going to find out if you're going to get shit. Well, the Golden Knights were, they did an interview and, and on Skydive TV in Australia at the World Championship last year. And so what I, I came in the next morning and they were all like, hey, Craig, did you see Skydive TV? And I said, no. They go, oh, yeah, you got to you gotta watch that. I was like, <laughs> and so they interviewed the Golden Knights, the whole eight-way team. And right. so Matt Davidson, who, who's retiring, I think, in a couple of months he's mm. been on the team for 26 years jesus christ 26 years wow okay and so though so they asked matt like what he thought about me coaching the the russian eight-way team and, and matt was he was said something really sarcastic like joking around sure and so but i but it was really cool like he did say like man we're really we can see the improvement and you know it's like we Sure. Wish, wish them the best. Kind of well, and, and no doubt you're going to get shit for it, but it's going to yeah. most likely be good-natured shit. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But, but there's also, there's every now and then, like, I hear something from somebody, and it's like, I'm just going to act like I didn't hear that. Right. You know? Right. Like, you know, some people, they, they, and that's an opinion, you know? But. Well, I mean, besides the fact that you're you're helping keep it competitive by um, giving them the same tools that uh, they're competing against, which uh, there's nothing unfair about that. It's not like you're right. giving them an extra leg up. You're just showing them the same tools that these other guys have got. Um, but you're also, you and Dan BC both being that – Come on, there's a reason why you do it. You're yeah. you're helping this team, and you're taking care of yourself as well. And we're trying to raise the level of the sport. Of like, course, like the more that we have that, it's like then it gets more. The more information that's out there, the more people can spread it and develop new information. Of course, and uh, the further the sport goes, I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's changed dramatically even in my time in the sport. And and uh, although it seems like I've been in it in my mind for a short period of time, it's actually been a while. And 23 years in the sport's not a short bit of time, but so many things have changed. But over the past, I don't know, 10 years, they've changed drastically. Yes. And it's the tunnels and such yeah. like that, you know. That's an, that's its own sport now. Oh, I know. I mean, I think, and and I'm, I've seen the, the writing on the wall, it's going to be an Olympic sport. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, one of the reasons that, uh, uh, like sky surfing, when I was uh, with that with uh, Mary back in the day, um, the reason that it never really took off and the X Games only had it for a few years is because it's not spectator friendly. Yes, um, it's people can't wrap their head around it. Mm-hmm. Um, they they think it looks cool, but um, even back in the day, they were having a really difficult time judging it because everybody had such different styles, and there's not really any standardization with it. And and uh, um, the average Joe Blow doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on or how truly difficult it is. Whereas you get in the tunnel, and it, the same can be said that they don't really understand the difficulty level, but it's in their face, happening live, and it just looks amazing. Yeah. And it's right in front of the glass, like looking, right at, looking at the cakes in the bakery. Yeah. You know? It's right there. Well, and, and now they've got the uh, the uh, stage show that does the Peter Pan bit that Ray Kubiak was telling me about. Mm-hmm. The, um, so now it's become this live entertainment, and it's yeah. 
I mean, wow. Uh, I think you're right. It's going to end up an Olympic sport. It'll be a little while. I guess it just got turned down this time around, but hopefully for the next ones. Well, I went to a couple world games where they choose the next sport. Like they would have 30 30, um, different sports invited, Mm. and they would choose two for the next Olympics. And so I went to a couple of those, and... I mean, we were there with like bodybuilders and trampoliners and like, right. rhythmic gymnastics, and right. it was really cool. It was like being a like a, an Olympic athlete, and you know, they, the reason they didn't take formation skydiving is you know, it's weather. Yep. Like, they had bad weather, and then you're a dot. You're a little dot up there. Well, and- that's it. I don't think you're ever going to have a direct translation into Olympic sport that requires a TV to watch it right. live. Right. I just don't, you know, that's why I think swooping will make it. Oh, man, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, and, and of course, the big thing with canopy piloting, and Junior and I laughed about this, is for as much as I love it, it's a lot like NASCAR. People Mm -hmm. go for two reasons. It's really cool, but they don't go to watch the cars go around in circles. They go to watch them hit the fucking (laughs) wall. So you're going, watching these chows. And, of course, now, holy shit, a wipeout nowadays is a spectacular sight to see. But at least it's on water. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, I mean, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but listen, like sometimes people love seeing like going in the water. Like they, they, they just, I think it's the best of both worlds for spectators. Oh yeah. We like like that carnage for sure. (laughs) Well, and that's one of the reasons that I think the freestyle thing that they got going in Copenhagen is so fucking fun because it's a raft in the middle of a river. Everybody's getting wet. Yeah. And, and the, the, the announcer for that and how well they've got that timed, like is they said something like I watched it on, on Facebook and it was like a two hour video, right? but man, it was so well executed. There was Extremely no, well done. like no downtime. Like there was like a 30 second interview time and the next guy's coming down, right, down right. to, to do a swoop. Speaking of, uh, Brian Regan did that. Yeah. I think he was Reagan, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, just in case you're listening, I'm going to have to get your ass in the booth as well. I know you've got some great stories oh, to tell. You know, it was I know, actually, you know what? Yeah, I think Reagan was doing it. And there was another guy, an Irish guy that did a really good job. Too, yeah. But they, the the and I wasn't there, but I've just heard people talking about it. It was really well done. It was not a lot of sponsorship, just from the guys that like from the company that did it. Mm. And man, they, and like they had it really well timed just because it was never like downtime it was just either seeing an interview or seeing somebody getting ready Camping to land there, yeah, yeah. Well, I, one of the things that junior said was uh, over the course of the weekend that they had it they had like a hundred thousand people come out to see it amazing did you ever think no i, I still have a tough time wrapping my head around that a hundred thousand people coming out to watch people land parachutes amazing. i mean i think it's that fucking cool mm-hmm. but i never Me thought too. it would get to this scale so i can only imagine what the next 10 or 20 years has gotten well i mean I've, I've been to a lot of swoop meets and and Especially, it's it's not so quick. I mean, it's like, you know, like when you can take a two-hour window and do the whole oh, thing, yeah. you know, and well, the perfect. The, the most entertaining when, when we were watching uh, Swoop, and this was back when I was working at Cross Keys, we had uh, the Tuesday morning Swoop Club, and we started at like six in the morning, and it's just a Cessna going up. So you had lots of gap in between time, but we were getting shitty-ass drunk next to the pond. <laughs> so you just sit to the pond, get fucking <laughs> hammered, and watch guys chow all day. So it was amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, the yeah. fire trucks would bring out the fire hoses, and they'd spray the, the pond to fill up the pond, and guys are swooping under the water and getting taken out by the fucking water stream, and you're just hammered on the side of the pond having a blast so you know so 
Go ahead, go ahead. I think that would draw a, a large number of people too as oh, well. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, come on. Skydiving is a spectator sport, but the shit you're watching is usually just what's happening after yeah. the jumping's done. <laughs> man, I think tunnels, man. I think it's like swooping for sure and then tunnels because, you know, there's just, they're, they're, Everywhere now, yeah. they're everywhere, all over the place, you know. And now they're getting ready to have um, they're going to have the eight way, the indoor World Cup for eight way. Yep. In in France next month in in April. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, um, a friend of both of ours, Lori Lubby, uh, just went to take a shot at getting on the national team for France. Okay. Because um, she was working at the at tunnels and, and head back there. So mm. again, more power to her. All right. What do you think of uh, like uh, Jetman and stuff? Well, Where do you think that's going? Dude, I well, one I've known those guys for a very long time, and uh, it's I think that they couldn't have picked a better two guys, right? <laughs> you know, the personality on these yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, just the talent and and those guys, those guys are comedians, man. Like, they are. Do you ever see them on the Conan O'Brien yeah, show? Yeah, I was fucking dying, <laughs> absolutely dying, and again shocked because you're sitting there watching on an international platform two guys that just like to jump off the yeah. shit and yeah. now they're sitting next to Conan O'Brien telling yeah. stories about how they're trying to fly back in a plane <laughs> fuck me I was dying man it was so fun it was like they were I was in stitches man because they they were they're pretty good and it's not even their 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 native language it's no. like their second language and so they were a lot of comedy going on. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to uh, uh, they told me they'd come and sit down with me at some point in the future. So mm. I'm really looking forward to that because I have a feeling it's just going to be wind them up and let them go. I'm sure. But, man, they, uh, I was just talking to them this morning. They're in the drop zone. And so they uh, I just they were kind of alluding to some of the stuff that they were had been doing. Mm. And so they said that there's some new footage on YouTube, I know they said there's something about a, they did a base jump, like took off from a ramp up in Norway and just like kind of went off and started the engines and took right. off. And I saw something the other day where it was just like either Vince or Fred was just hovering. Next to a helicopter. Yeah. I saw amazing. that. Holy shit. Did you see the one when they were flying with um, with the French aerobatic team, the jets? Yeah. It's insane. Listen, I was talking with Fred and Fred's like, man, he goes, I, you know, here we are. We're flying with these. There's like 10, uh, it looks like the, you know, the Blue Angels or the Thunderbird, yeah. like formation scatter. They're flying like a diamond, you know? And so they had to fly those jets so slow because these guys, 250 knots is the max that these guys could Sure, go. yeah. And so they're flying 250. And so they're flying super slow in formation, which is crazy. It's insane. They're just flying straight. They're not yeah. doing anything. And so when they turned, they did this super really gradual turn. So that whole thing is like banking. So all 10 of those planes are like, imagine being like a 20 degree angle all the way through it. Oh, know? yeah. And so Fred's all the way at the top, Vince at the bottom, and Eve's like somewhere else in there. And I remember Fred was like, they're all in comms. And, and he was going to that turn. And as they're turning, he's way up in there looking from the high side of the wing all the way through the middle and the guy in the jet's like would you guys look at these guys look at these guys I want to do that oh man that looks so cool isn't that ridiculous yes. it's absolutely incredible that, uh, that they're looking at Vince and Fred going oh my god I want to be that cool and Fred's like if there was a moment that, like, I just want to, like, linger on for a really long time, that would be my moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, when they were doing the workups for flying with the big uh, A380, I was privileged enough to be one of the otters that they were doing the practice with. And uh, sitting in the captain's seat and looking out my window at a jet man... <laughs> 
formed up on my wing is just the most insane thing. And, of course, that was the reverse of their thing with those jets. They had to actually go slower than they'd prefer because the yeah. otter's not a fast bird. Yeah. You know, so they were going a little bit slower. And this was a couple of years back. So uh, I know that they've improved even more with the jets and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Like bigger engines. Bigger and engines, so, faster. Yeah. I mean, well, for them to be able to hold a hover. Yeah. And not a it's hover crazy. just off the ground, but a hover at thousands of feet. Fucking hell. Actually, I didn't even realize I was talking with, with friend Vince this morning, and I, I was like, because they're both jumping this, uh, they have this like supine harness that they're jumping like, mm. for flying canopies, and I... I said, "Are you, you guys? You guys are jumping that with the with the jet man?" He's like, "No, we're jumping 360 square foot canopies, it's like tandem rigs." Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was kind of surprised. It's uh, well, I mean, I can't imagine the logistics that goes on. To <laughs> I, I don't even want to try wow. and imagine. I mean, that's that's Buzz Lightyear shit. It really is that, that cool. Is Buzz Lightyear? It is. If it's you Buzz Lightyear. Put Buzz Lightyear side by side with the Jetman. Oh like, yeah, they're like I don't, the exact same thing. How in the fuck Disney is not sponsoring <laughs> these guys is beyond me. I mean, holy shit, they really are Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> it really does make me wonder because I never would have imagined. Yeah, I never would have imagined. Actually, actually, did I never thought until you said. Buzz Lightyear, like I can never really, but I can see Buzz Lightyear right now with like that. You know, oh like yeah, that, I'd the... fucking kill to get one of them dressed up like Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> screaming to infinity and beyond before they take off. Man, that would be amazing, absolutely amazing. Well, so what comes next, man? I mean, shit, you've pretty much covered uh, this huge swath of your life and and mm-hmm. done so many different things in skydiving. Are there any different aspirations? Are there any uh, different goals in skydiving or any other sport or any other thing? I mean, is it just keep on keeping on? Or well, the one thing is I want to stay healthy, man. Yeah. Like it, and you you alluded to it earlier. It's like you know I'm 53 and man, I I, I the, the older I get, the more I realize that I want to keep jumping mm. but I, i'm not jumping as much i'm not jumping like when i was on a full-time training trip. sure like even when i was here at sky of dubai i was probably doing 250 jumps a year right you know and so i'm probably doing the same thing so man it's like i'm 53 and like I, you know like man i want to keep jumping while i can yeah there's going to be a time when i'm going to like not going to be able to jump even though i hate to say that man it's like but i want to be like lou sanborn right <laughs> Just you know? still going. I'll be like Lou Sanborn. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, I stopped jumping for about four years, uh, and uh, flying took over for me. And and uh, um, I, I hit a point for myself in the sport where I, I just didn't have the the passion. I I was working in the sport way too quickly yeah. and didn't draw as much fun out of it as I should have. But you're still jumping though. Yeah, yeah. So I got back into it because uh, um, actually a mutual friend of ours, Junior, um, mm-hmm. uh, one day asked. Hey, you want to go make a jump? And I got butterflies because I hadn't jumped in like four years. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that's a scary thought. I guess I should probably go jump again because I'm scared. <laughs> I'm nervous, you know. And, and, of course, fell back into it. And I became after, well, it would have been 19, almost 20 years in the sport at the time. I, for the first time, I became a fun jumper. Awesome. And just went, yeah, man, just went out to have fun. And same thing. I mean, I turned 50 this year and um, it takes a toll. Mm. I mean, how many jumps do you have? 30, a little over 30,000. 30 fucking thousand jumps. Man, I mean, I've got 11,000, and every part of my body affected by that reminds me every morning, hey. Man, I don't have that, dude. Really? I don't have it. Lucky fucker. Dude, I've been super flexible. I just had for the first time ever. Like, I broke my ankle on my second jump. That's (laughs) it. That was it, man. And so... No blown out knees, no blown out ankles, no nothing, shoulders, neck. So I just had where my, my shoulder, like, you know, 
the pull shoulder. And yep. so I like oh, yeah. like Rook Nelson, there's a couple other people, they they had to switch over to the left. Like I had like two or three teammates that had to switch over to their, their left hand because just that rotational movement oh, like, yeah. coming in, it's like this movement, like going in to grab your pilot ship, yep. pulling it out and then letting it go. It's something. It's like it's rotator a, cuff. It's rotator cuff or like supraspinatus, and this yep. is what it was diagnosed with me. It was supraspinatus. Yep. So I was um, man for a while there. I was like not working out. I was sure. getting kind of fat and just fat, numb, and happy. And I, I was like, man, no, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, not doing it, man. Can't so, do it. No, I can't do it because man, it's like it'll happen much faster when you're fifty than when you're forties and thirties and. Well, sure it's the same in your 60s. Yeah. Well, there's a huge amount of pride in, in being the age that we're at and still being able to keep up with the kids yeah. and, and, and yeah. Uh, um, still be able to not have limitations because this hurts or that's hurt. I mean, I, I've slowed down some, but not because I can't do things, just right. because I go, oh, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take it a little bit slower here and there, but I've still got the ability and yeah. still certainly enjoy it. It's one of the reasons that I work out as much and, as I can. And to be able to run. I mean, like, if you're going to jump a high-speed canopy, like, dude, you you have to, because you can't choose to land on a golf course no. every time. No. You know, like, a lot of times you're traveling, you, you're going to go to Australia here someplace else, and you're going to, like, the thing's not level and, and you're smoking down wind and it's like you're going to have to run it out or you're going to have to slide. Oh, but, yeah. But, like, the thing is, it's like it it could happen even quicker as you get older. Sure. And so I think we're both saying the same thing. Is I want to stay in shape and I, I don't want to be heavy. And, nope. and I, I want to work out. Yeah. And, and it's like. Well, and uh, for most of my adult life, I've played the singles game. So I had a lot of motivations for staying in shape. <laughs> 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 so I had to I had to try and stay in shape that way, and and now my girlfriend uh, uh, I guarantee does not want me getting fat and tubby. You know, the hair's already going; she's coping with that. But I don't think I think fat and bald. No, nah, that wouldn't work. That, that would not go. work. Well, and your significant other for years and years is a badass skydiver yes, of her own, and we were teammates for. I think she was on airspeed. She got in two thousand two, and we left in two thousand eleven. So how was that? Amazing, man. Yeah. Amazing. Just like truly like and I'm not just saying that because I know she's going to be listening, but like she she is truly the one. But aside from that, she's she is a badass and she's a badass. And she she won the women's event. Right. In 2001. Then she we got on our team. She came on airspeed and she won the eight way with us. Right. In 2004, and then we won the four-way in 2008, and we tried to win it again in 2010 and just had probably one of the best four-way competitions of our entire life. And we were tied up after round nine and went to a 10th round, right. and we lost it in the 10th round. Again. Wow. So, you know, all those things that I told you about the world championship, there's, that's the ones we won, but there's still those silver medal ones that were just sure. sometimes even better than the gold. Even oh, though yeah. It's, but it's like just because... It was like we put up such a good fight and super proud of that performance. But she is a badass. Oh, yeah. She oh, absolutely. I mean, she's she carries a shitload of weight on her own. There's so, no doubt. So we're talking about Eliana Rodriguez because <laughs> we haven't even mentioned her name. So my significant other. Significant other. Well, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I've talked to a couple of uh, couples, and uh, like Pat and Siobhan Kay, mm-hmm. and uh, Pat's like, fuck no, I'm <laughs> not training her for shit. She's doing it all on her own, and, and uh, she's a m- much more relaxed jumper, obviously. Uh, but uh, it seems to go yeah. one or the other. Either it's a couple that can do it yeah. all together, yeah. or they do none of it together. Well, we were, like, if you look at a four-way team, we were peace partners. It breaks into two pieces, right? Like, and they, they're always turned together. So we were peace partners in the four-way. We were peace partners in the eight-way. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but we were we're together all the time, and, and like, and I'm gonna say it. Not, I'm, I'm saying it because it's the truth. It's like, I, my favorite person I want to hang out with, man, best friend, man. That's she is fucking awesome, cool, man. She's awesome, man. And and like, you know her, Dean. It's sure. like, it, it, if you're gonna take you five seconds to have a conversation with her, and you're like, yep. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I see it, man. Oh, I yeah. see it. She's oh, yeah. Well, both of you guys, it's, it's kind of funny because, uh, like I said, the, the first impression that most people get with you and one that I still have after the years that I've known you is professionalism is the first word that, that uh, comes to mind. But also just friendly, outgoing, and gregarious. And both of you guys are exactly the same way, extremely approachable. And if you know anything about your history, that's not necessarily what you'd expect. Um, But just the way you even carry yourself, and she is exactly the same way, you carry yourself with a, hey, come say hi, kind of, you know, I mean, I think the few times that you've ever gone, oh, hang on a second, because you're deep in training and doing all kinds of stuff, but otherwise, you have never been anything but extremely approachable. Um, For those listening right now craig and i are sitting in a bathroom <laughs> dean's on the toilet yeah I'm, I'm i'm literally i'm i'm kneeling on the toilet in a bathroom to do this podcast now granted it's it's a very pimp studio like toilet pimp, but i got craig gerard to come sit in a toilet with me so that says a lot about this guy it really does <laughs> well I, I came in so like dean was showing me in the apartment i and i looked i go what is this a closet he goes no man, it's a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got like these little like the all the sound equipment's over the top of the sink and the toilet, but it's kind of covered. I was like, yeah. pretty well done, Dean. We uh, uh, one of the ideas was uh, because I keep I always say it's uh, another edition of the Lunatic Fringe coming from the can. Obviously now it's because the can's the toilet, <laughs> but the the running joke was because it's not on video that uh, I'd have the toilet open and just occasionally just drop like an ice cube in there, <laughs> so you'd hear the kaplunk, <laughs> 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 just as a good laugh. <laughs> Well, so as we uh, as we wrap things up, what do you want um, up and coming jumpers or jumpers that are are trying to find their way in the sport or uh, even established people that are kind of hitting a stalemate or anything? What advice would you give to them to keep the passion going? I mean, you've been doing this a long time and you still love the hell out of it. Well, I'm I'm going to come back to where I started. Is is if you're an experienced jumper, you have to welcome people, Mm. man, because. The people that want to jump, sometimes they're not the the superstars, and, and they're just the guys that want to because it looks different. Mm. And, and but I think mo- the majority of skydivers know this already. But just to to restate it, go out of your way. If there's somebody on the drop zone that you don't know who they are, don't just walk by them and don't don't like. Eh, well, I'll meet them some other time and say, hey. I'm Craig, man. What's your name? Sure. You know, and and for the guys coming in, it's like if you think about coming to a drop zone, everybody put yourself walking into the biggest drop zone you've ever had. How nervous you are, and mm. you're like, I don't care what I'm doing. I just want somebody to ask me if I want to jump. Sure. Not like, do how good are you? How many jumps do you have? Da 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 da. da. Where are you from? Is like. 
like no ego like hey would you like to make a jump and sure. luckily there's a lot of sky, a lot of organizers out to do that but listen like us as individuals we we have to do that like if there's somebody we don't know let's go introduce ourselves mm. welcome them back in and like just keep the love going absolutely well that's one of the things that i've had to try and reprogram myself to do because i've spent so much time in the front of the plane yeah. that it's very easy for me to become anonymous uh and a lot of the jump pilots out there are that way i mean fuck i'm flying an insane amount of loads i have yeah. just enough time to pee shove some food in my face and then go and then when I come out to jump um, I'll do hop and pops or whatever just get on the loads where I can but I've had to relearn how to go out of my way to go hey yeah. so what's going on and and I forgot for so long and re-remembered when I started jumping again and I became a fun jumper for the first time that oh my god this is this is why I got into it in the first place it's not just because it's this and it's badass and jumping and all that it's everything and, well, and people like a lot of people, they, they, a lot of people here know you too. But mm. like, if people are coming, they don't know that you're the pilot unless they, unless you can see your right hand, right? Like, you know, like flying that, they got a tattoo on the back of it or something. But That's like, it. Like I'm the pilot, you yeah. know, and I'm jumping. Yeah, you know, like that was one of the. I, I wrote an article quite a while back that uh, was talking about flying uh, as a, uh, a jump pilot for a long time. And I'm at the larger drop zones. It's true that most people, even some of the people that are out there every weekend, jump and don't even know who their pilots are. You don't see them, you know. Yeah. I mean, you go to some place like Paris Valley or Eloy that's just turning and burning yeah. all day long, and you're a weekend warrior. You might never actually see your pilot. No, a lot of they don't shut the planes down. They hot, right. they hot fuel them. They'll switch out the pilot. They'll come out, switch out a pilot while it's hot fueling, and yeah. just just keep them on going. Oh yeah, man. When I was in Chicago, um, flying for Chicagoland, we hot fueled on a separate little grass strip. I would get out of the airplane, I would hot fuel it myself, get back in the airplane, and my record was 40 loads in one day. And wow. by, yeah, by the time I shut down, everybody else was gone. You know, and that was the standard. I was there before everybody, I was in the airplane running when they showed up, and I didn't get out until the sun was going down. Turning and burning. So it, I was really glad to get back into turning into a fun jumper and being able to do exactly what you said, which is going out of my way to meet people that yeah. I wouldn't normally meet and, and uh, welcome them in. And the other one, man, it's like cross-pollinate, man. It's mm. like, you know, I, I dig that. Like when free flyers go belly flying and like going wingsuiting and canopy flying, you know, it's like, I love that, man. It's well, like, one of the cool things about when hybrids started to become popular mm -hmm. because you had people that uh, were uh, free flyers from the beginning that couldn't build a fucking round. Right. <laughs> to do a hybrid and they had to learn and it was I, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough that I came into it when it was mostly belly mm -hmm. and free flying was just starting and free flying has always been my preference simply because I've always been a smaller group skydiver it's been two and three and four guys and um, when you're just out screwing around grabbing a chest strap and a leg strap and rolling out the door was just the funnest thing to do yeah. um, but I was lucky in that I got to see both sides of it um, and uh, can appreciate the skill and the intensity of the uh, RW stuff um, but also love the, the freedom so to speak of the free flying stuff yeah. so it's really cool so you're right cross pollinating yeah. doing a little bit of everything and occasionally go take a ride along with the pilot <laughs> yeah Come keep us company. <laughs> Sit up in the cockpit. Shoot the shit with us. Find out what we do. You know what? In, in Skydive Arizona, they they don't do that. Like they they did it for a while, and they had the um, the the auto feather switch. You know, they had <laughs> so like a lot of people would would, and so they're like, no more, man, no more. <laughs> like so they would auto feather. So, sure. Like it happened a couple of times, and so they're like, no, 
nobody can go with the right seat up there, but that's not like that here. Like yeah, that, yeah. Right? And, well, in a lot of drop zones, we were always able to, but uh, uh, as a jump pilot, you get really good at giving a hell of a briefing. <laughs> All right, don't look. touch that. Yeah, if it moves, including me, don't fucking touch it. <laughs> and the most important of which is if you're going to scream on the way down, move your fucking microphone. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, any other parting words? Is there any place that people can go or where should they go to check out uh, Airspeed and check out all the other stuff that you're doing? Uh, are there Instagram accounts, Facebook? Uh, I don't have an Instagram account. Good for I, you. I'm on Facebook and uh, WhatsApp. Uh, I don't know if you can get that. <laughs> no, don't, 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 I, don't give out your WhatsApp my number. Phone number. My yeah, phone no. number is. No, <laughs> uh, no I'm just on, on Facebook. But uh, Just have them follow an airspeed and and, uh, um, and see if the if the Russians pull it out this year. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be on Sky League. So, like, Sky League, if you're not familiar with it, it's uh, basically it's an online newspaper that's written by Kurt Gable out of DeLand, Florida. And so it's, it's www.skyleague.com. Dot com awesome. And it has all the follows all the four way and eight way and all that stuff. Awesome, very cool. Well, they should all definitely go check that out. Of course, uh, keep up with uh, what happens with uh, the Russians. We gotta <laughs> decide who, what team you're rooting for. Uh, and well, I, I'm always rooting for the U.S., you guys. But listen, the thing <laughs> is, it's like I want what I want, and and, and if people who know me, I know I've said this all the time. I want a good competition. Hell yeah. Like, like if I watch a football game, like I watch the Super Bowl, I'm like, I want I want to see it go to overtime. And yeah. I want to see it to go I want to go to to uh the jump off rounds. Sure. Like, that's what I want. That's and when I was competing, that's all I wanted. I don't care what happens, I want to go to the jump off round. Well yeah, there's nothing less satisfying than an easy win. Yeah. No, yeah, man, like if you go go see a fight, it's like, and it's just a killer. They're just killing each other. And it's just like a great, a great competition is something that's, yeah, it, you're going to, you're going to earn, you're going to win fans. Yeah, oh, win yeah. Fans. Oh, absolutely. So let's win some fans. All right. Well, then uh, we'll, we'll see how everybody does. Uh, I'm right there with you. Go Golden Knights, but we'll see if the Russians can't put a. <laughs> go Golden Knights do, but yeah. go, go, go Airspeed, go, go Airspeed, Golden Knights. Go Golden Knights, yeah. And absolutely. go, go Russian guys, but. <laughs> just don't go that hard. <laughs> Craig, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. I really appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll shoot the shit again. Yeah, man. All right. Take care. Right on, bud. See ya. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to Pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out SummitParachuteSystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, go to FlyawayTN.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD, head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.